Bible, please take your Bibles, and if you'll turn with me now to the book of Acts, we're in Acts chapter 2, and verses 42 to 47. Our message series is called Church on the Move, and we are looking at the outward expansion of the church uh, in the book of Acts. And we just finished looking at the church's birthday, right? The church's birthday on Pentecost. God sent the promised Holy Spirit. Peter preached the gospel. 3,000 people were saved, and the church of Jesus Christ was born. Well, what do you do when you have a newborn baby? You take pictures, right? You take pictures. And, and so the book of Acts, isn't it interesting, immediately follows up the birth of the church with a picture of the church. And just as every baby picture is beautiful, uh, so is this picture of the early church. There's no exception here at all. So we're in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's Word? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as we look into this beautiful picture of the early church, uh, Lord, I pray that you would teach us as a church and teach us as individuals uh, uh, how we can uh, do a better job of reflecting Jesus to each other and to our community. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. So speaking of pictures, uh, ha have you ever played one of those picture games where you know, you're given two, they look like identical pictures side by side, right? And you look at them, you're supposed to look at the pictures carefully and see if you can spot the differences, right? And you're usually the differences are, are very subtle. Sometimes they st stick out. Sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes you look at it and you go, I don't see any difference at all. These look exactly the same. Is someone pulling a trick on me, right? You've seen that game. Well, that's a good game for us to play today with our passage from Acts this morning. Because here in Acts chapter 2, God gives us a picture of the early church. And it's a beautiful picture. It tells us exactly what the church should look like. It tells us exactly what we should be doing as a church. And the trick here, right, the trick here is to lay the picture of our own church, Plantation Community Church, Next to this perfect picture in the book of Acts, and see if you can spot the differences. Sadly, the game is all too easy for some churches because the differences are so great. So what did the early church look like in those days? This picture in Acts reveals four essential elements of a Christian church. I'll tell you what they are in just a moment. But, you know, Acts tells us that the early church devoted themselves to these four things. 
They devoted themselves. It's a word that means that they persisted. They persevered. They continued in all of these things. Uh, Even the verb is in a tense that indicates an ongoing commitment. And so this was not in a, ca- a casual or an occasional attendance to these matters, but rather these things were priority for them. These things became the major focus of their life together as a church. So what are these things? What are these four essential elements of a Christian church? They are, number one, the Word of God, number two, fellowship, then worship, And then evangelism. You say, Pastor, that's so easy. I could have told you that. Exactly. It's not supposed to be hard. It's basic. Church should be simple. We just need to do the things God has told us to do. The Word of God, fellowship, worship, and evangelism. We're introduced to the first three elements all in the first verse. Verse 42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the Word of God. To the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. That's worship. And then evangelism is introduced throughout the rest of the passage as well. And so that's the picture God gives us here in Acts. Once again, our job is to lay the picture of our church next to this picture and see if we can spot the differences. Now remember, we, you and I, we are the church, okay? You know, the church is the people. It's not, it's not just some uh, institution. We're it, okay? And so we're really looking at ourselves, aren't we? We're looking at ourselves to see how well we measure up in each of these areas. And so as we go through these today, I want you to be asking some questions to yourselves, both corporately of us as a church, individually of yourself. Where are we doing well? Where do we excel? Where are we lacking? Where do we need to grow? Okay, so let's get started. There's an outline in your worship guide. I encourage you to take that out to follow along and perhaps jot down some notes as we go. The first essential element of a Christian church is the Word of God. The Word of God. We see this in the first couple verses here. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. The apostles' teaching here refers to the teaching, preaching, and study of the Word of God. It also includes the preaching of the gospel, the good news of Christ. John Stott comments on this passage, the Holy Spirit opened a school in Jerusalem that day. Its teachers were the apostles whom Jesus had appointed, and there were 3,000 pupils in the kindergarten or as we might say in the preschool, where we have a preschool here, right? And so the apostles' teaching, they devoted themselves to that. This includes all that would be written down in the New Testament. The apostles were the writers of the New Testament. It includes the interpretation of the Old Testament, but now in light of Christ and His coming. includes the teaching about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, the passing on of Jesus' teachings, as well as teaching about the Holy Spirit, and the church, and other matters as well. As such, the apostles were teachers and interpreters of the Old Testament. They were writers of the New Testament, and they were gospel preachers, sharing the wonderful good news that Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose again from the dead. Notice what else our passage says. God authenticated His Word 
through various signs and wonders done by the apostles. They were doing all these signs and wonders. Everyone's filled with awe. And it was these signs and wonders which confirmed the apostles' teaching. This agrees with what we uh, read later on in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, two, two, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 2. This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, Jesus, was confirmed to us by those who heard him, who heard Jesus. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So first came Jesus. Announcing this salvation. What did Jesus do? He did miraculous signs and wonders confirming that he really came from God. And then after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to heaven, God continued to work signs and wonders now through the apostles. Why? To confirm that their teaching really came from God. It's interesting, this phrase, signs and wonders, we, we find it in the early part of the book of Acts, but after chapter 15, it's gone. We don't see this phrase used anymore after Acts chapter 15. It's not like the apostles stopped doing miracles. They're still working various miracles and healings, but after chapter 15, they are no longer described as signs and wonders. It seems that the signs and wonders were designed for the early spread of the gospel, once again, to confirm the message and to authenticate the apostles as God's designated messengers of the gospel. So the Word of God. You know, as Christians, we're people of the book, right? We always have been. We always will be. The Bible is the firm foundation under our feet. It is the lamp that guides our way. And it is meat and milk for the journey. When a church preaches and teaches God's word, they are standing on solid ground. When a church strays from the word of God, they no longer match the picture, do they? So that's the first essential element of a Christian church. A Christian church must be faithful to the gospel and the Word of God. And a church that does not believe or follow the Bible is not a true Christian church. Okay, second essential element. All of these are essential. Second essential element of a Christian church is fellowship. Fellowship. We already saw in verse 42, the early church devoted themselves to the fellowship. Now we read in verses 44 and 45, all the believers were together. They had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Now, the Greek, the Greek word for fellowship is the word koinonia. Maybe you've heard that before. It's a beautiful word. It's a, a word signifying deep sharing and communion together. And so we share koinonia, fellowship. What do we share together as Christians? Well, first and most importantly, we share in fellowship with the triune God. We share in fellowship with God. First John chapter 1 says our fellowship is with, is with the Father. And then it says our fellowship is with His Son, Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 13 speaks of our fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself spoke of the Father and the Son 
coming, and, and the Holy Spirit coming to live within us, coming to dwell with us uh, through the Holy Spirit. So first and foremost, we share God together. That's what makes it Christian fellowship. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit come to live within us, and we all share in that together. But the fellowship we share with God then results in fellowship with each other. We share the same Father. That makes us family. We share Jesus. That makes us Christians. We share the same Spirit. That makes us one in Christ. Verse 44 says the believers were together. And uh, some have interpreted this as communal living, that they, you know, they all moved into one big building, all lived in a commune together. No, no, we read further on down. They still had their, their own homes. They still had their own houses. So it's not that they lived together, but rather that they got together. And they got together often. Verse 46 says they met every day. They met every day. They broke bread in their homes, and, and they ate together. Uh, they met every day in the temple. So in, in a sense, they, they met at church. And they met in homes. You know, that's a great model for the church today. You know, a combination of larger gatherings of worship, you know, larger public gatherings, and smaller gatherings of Christians just getting together for good Christian fellowship. They not only met together often, but they also shared what they had with each other. Verse 44 says they had everything in common. In other words, they shared their possessions with each other. Once again, this is not like communism where, where everything becomes public property. They still had private ownership, right? But they were generous in sharing what they had. They adopted the attitude, what's mine is yours, and what's yours is mine. And verse 45 tells us that they were extremely generous in this matter. Some of them even sold their possessions and goods in order to meet other people's needs. And once again, the verb tenses in the original language makes it clear this was not a one-time sell-off. This wasn't, okay, church in Jerusalem, we're having a big yard sale, everybody sell everything you own, and we'll have a common pot. wasn't that. But rather, they continually did this as various needs came up. Someone was in need. If they couldn't help out, they said, what can I sell? I'll sell this. Now I can help this person. That's amazing. We find the same principle expressed in 1 John chapter 3. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? So that's the second essential element of a Christian church. A Christian church is a fellowship of believers. We share the same Father, we share the same Savior, and we share the same Spirit. We're family, and therefore we should love and take care of each other as family. Next we come to worship. Worship. We read in verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. An essential part of gathering together as the church is worshiping God together. 
And, of course, we worship God through songs and prayers and praise and baptisms and the Lord's Supper and the, the preaching of God's Word. Earlier in verse 42, uh, we were told that, that, that these early believers, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and prayer. And the breaking of bread, that, that could refer just to having a meal together, but in this context, it, it's the context of worship. And so it's referring to the Lord's Supper. And of course, you know, the Lord's Supper for them, that was normally part of a larger meal anyways because they were always together. They were together so much. So they had the Lord's Supper along with a common meal. But the Lord's Supper is so important to prayer. Why is it so important? Whether, whether you celebrate it every week or once a month, why is it important that the Lord's Supper is a regular part of church worship? The Lord's Supper ensures, first of all, that our worship is Christ-centered. Christ-centered. There are other religions where people gather together to worship God, but a Christian church gathers to worship God through Jesus. And so the Lord's Supper makes sure that our worship is Christ-centered. The Lord's Supper also ensures that our worship is gospel-centered. Gospel-centered. Because the Lord's Supper not only brings Jesus front and center, right? But also highlights His work for us on the cross. That Jesus suffered and died on the cross for our sins. They devoted themselves to uh, the breaking of bread and to prayer. That word prayer in verse 42, it's actually in the plural. You could translate it, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayers or the prayers. This most likely refers to the the formal and the informal aspects of, of Christian community. You know, there were set times of prayer, you know, at the temple or in our day we'd say at the church. But then they also prayed together in each other's homes. Prayer is an essential part of worship both in the church but also when we get together outside of the church. There's never a bad time to pray. And you will never regret taking the time to pray with others. Never be afraid to spend some time praying with Christian friends outside the church. And then verse 47, we're just getting to that in a minute, but the first part of that speaks of praising God, another such an important part of worship and prayer. You know, we have have a whole book of the Bible, the Psalms, right, completely dedicated to the worship and praises of God. And one of the sweetest parts of Christian worship in the church is when we're all standing up and just singing God's praises together as brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the third Essential element of a Christian church. A Christian church meets to worship God. Without worship, the church is no longer a church. It is just a community club or organization. The church's worship must be both Christ-centered and gospel-centered. As we break bread and share communion together, Proclaiming Christ's death on the cross until he comes. And finally, we come to number four, the fourth essential element uh, of a Christian church, evangelism. Evangelism. We've seen the believers in the early church devoted themselves to the Word of God. They devoted themselves to the people of God. They devoted themselves to the worship of God. But they also devoted themselves to witness 
and evangelism. We see this in verse 47, describes the believers as praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Remember, right before Jesus ascended to heaven, Jesus told his disciples, he said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We're just in Acts chapter 2. They've got a long ways to go to get to the ends of the earth, right? We're we're still picking up that part of the commission ourselves. But you've got to start somewhere, right? Where do you start? The place you start is right where you are. Where were they? They're in Jerusalem, right? And so, so here they are fulfilling this first part of Jesus' commission. They're being witnesses for him at home in Jerusalem. As we mentioned earlier, although evangelism doesn't appear in that first verse, verse 42, along with the other three elements, it's evident throughout the rest of the passage. Why? Because the, the apostles are performing signs and wonders. It says everyone, not just the believers, everyone, the community was filled with awe. They're reaching out. They met together where? In the public courts, a public setting where they could reach out to others. They enjoyed the favor of all the people. That means they presented a life witness as well as a gospel witness. It wasn't just their words, but their lives as well. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Their exemplary life of fellowship was attractive to outsiders. A joyful church presents a wholesome witness. The believers were uh, committed to daily witness as well as daily worship. I trust you worship God every day. Do you witness for him? Every day. It's no wonder God was was adding to their number daily. Once again, a healthy, loving church is the most powerful witness to the gospel available. This is God's design, that the church should be the church, that we should be this perfect picture of the church we see here in Acts 2, and that together we should bear witness to Christ and that people would be drawn to Christ through our loving witness. Notice it is God who adds people to the church, right? If we do our job of just being the church, which includes witnessing to others, God's going to do his job of adding. This is the very best church growth program out there. Why? Because it's God's program. This is God's plan. Notice that finally that those who were saved were added to the church. In other words, they became members of the church. And this speaks two very important truths about church membership. Truth number one, only those who were saved were added. Did you notice that? Only those who were saved were added. This tells us that we must guard the membership of the church carefully. And only those who credibly profess faith in Jesus Christ should be admitted to membership of the church. Only those who were saved were added. And then secondly, all who were saved were added. All who were saved. And that tells us that everyone who is saved should join membership in a local church. 
There shouldn't be any lone ranger Christians, you know, sort of duking it out for yourself out there. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you should join membership in a local church for our four things, right? Worship, fellowship, teaching, witness, and then, of course, accountability. And so this is our fourth essential element of a Christian church. A Christian church must be faithful in evangelism. The church should never become just inward focused. God loves lost people, and therefore we must love lost people too. And the most loving thing you can do is share Christ in the gospel with a lost person so that God may add them to the number of those who are being saved. So those are the four elements, the four essential elements of a Christian church. Here's an easy way to remember them, okay? As a church, we should love God, love God's Word, love God's people, and love those outside of Christ. That's that's the four elements put into action terms for you. Love God, love God's Word, love God's people, love those outside of Christ. That's what a true Christian church looks like. Notice that there are two vertical dimensions to this picture, right? Worship and the Word are vertical. In worship, we direct our attention vertically to God. Through the Bible, God directly speaks to us. And then there are also two horizontal dimensions, fellowship and evangelism. In fellowship, we minister to each other. In evangelism, we minister to those outside of Christ. What happens when you have vertical and horizontal dimensions? You've got a picture. This is the picture of the local church. I love this picture. It's so beautiful. It's so simple. It helps us get back to basics, right? There's so many things that we can be doing as a church. But as long as we focus on these four priorities, if we will, like the early believers, devote ourselves to these things, God will bless and we will grow. One last thing. Notice that this is not only a picture of the early church, but it's a moving picture. These these four elements are, are all actions. These are all things that we can do. And if we want to be a church on the move, then we need to love God. Love God's word. Love God's people. And love those outside of Christ by sharing Christ with them. Amen? Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, we've taken a very careful look at this picture that you've drawn for us of the early church. It's a beautiful picture. And now, Lord, we have the responsibility to take our church and lay it beside there. And Lord, I know that we fall short. Uh, Lord, we're, we're doing each of these things in various ways, but... Uh, Lord, you know that we can improve, uh, both as a church and as individuals in the church. And so, Lord, help us this week to reflect on this picture of your church, this moving picture, and and may you move us by your Holy Spirit to be that church in the move that takes these things seriously. And, Lord, where we are lacking, shore us up. And, Lord, I pray every year we will grow closer and closer to this beautiful, perfect picture that you've given us here in Acts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.